What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, I think we may have what could be our most absurd hypothetical we've ever done on the show, as far as just absolutely ludicrous premise. And that, of course, is, what if you could perfectly train cats? Can't be done. As, as a cat owner, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure my cat understands all the things I want him to do, and it's just willfully, you know, chooses to do whatever the hell he wants. That is the cat way. So I'll start us off here kind of talking about, I think I'm just going to, fo- I'm going to focus mostly on the house cats. So the question becomes, what are house cats generally good for? Cats are actually pretty, pretty stacked evolutionarily as far as being good at what they do, which is being a predator. You know, they have apparently incredible hearing. They have 52 individual ear muscles and their, their ears can like telescope like 180 degrees around. How many how many do humans have? Um good question. How many <laughs> How many do humans have, Google? <laughs> ear muscles do humans have? I'm gonna guess three. Two. Huh. <laughs> Wait, no, that's in the middle ear. Oh. Uh three. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Zero? We don't move our e- we don't move our ears, right? I can move my ears. I mean ears, you can like but slide them backwards. Be... Like I I'm moving my ear, but it might not be an actual muscle that's inside my ear. Around like, the human ear are tiny, weak muscles that would have, would once have let uh, evolutionary ancestors pivot their ears to and fro. Today, the muscles aren't capable of moving much. So we, there are, we have ear muscles that are basically appendixes. Cool. Mm. The more you know by Googling. But yeah, they have 52 of them, as opposed to our <laughs> arbitrary number of useless ones. And they can actually hear three to four times as far as humans can. So shit that's far away, they can hear that. Kind of related to that is their agility where you know the the famous phrase that cats always land on their feet is not actually entirely untrue because they have such a lot of stuff going on in their ear areas it also enhances their sense of balance they have like this uh oh boy i didn't write it down they have like some kind of capillary nonsense going on that's better than our stupid um ears (laughs) (laughs) but they're justified to say they're better at balancing they are obviously they're quite fast and good at jumping. These records are from the Maine Coon house cat, which is a bit bigger than your average house cat, but the cat the cat can run 30 miles an hour, and the record holding vertical jump for a cat is 6.4 feet, which is pretty freaking crazy. And then the last, you know, kind of hunting power that they have is um, their vision. Weirdly, cat's vision isn't great, like, the average cat has, like, if you compare it to humans, is, like, 2,200, which is a, it's, like, a medium-level prescription, but that's because they're not good at seeing, they don't have, like, the, their, their eyes are made up not so much like humans, where we have a lot of cones that are very good at picking up, like, detail and color and that type of thing. They have, they have a lot more rods that are better at picking up, like, motion of things. So they kind of have, like, almost a wider angle of view so that they're better picking up like changes it's also why if you ever see cats like paw at the top of the water they're doing it because it makes it easier to see where the water surface is 
So they're very good at picking up motion. In addition, they're also very good in low light conditions. So they have six to eight times as many light receptors in their eyes. And so they can see in one-sixth the amount of light. Good how that math works. So I, I was kind of playing with these for a bit. And it turns out really the best thing that you could do if you could train a cat is basically just to let them do what they would do anyway, which is hunt rodents. <laughs> you don't need to train them to do that, luckily. <laughs> but you could definitely, you know, open up a pretty successful... Um, uh, what what do you call it for people like Erta Pests? Oh my god, what's the word? Exterminator? Exterminator, yeah. I had just Terminator and didn't, I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> Terminator. Cat Terminator. I mean, Terminator, Terminator works technically. <laughs> I used to be a Terminator. Now I'm an Exterminator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's kind of boring. So I, I went and started looking at some of the other things that cats can do. And where I ended up after after a bit of soul searching is actually in harvesting. So in our fancy modern age of farming, most harvesting and things are done incredibly quickly by machine because we are good humans and very smart. But there are still a few crops out there for that, for one reason or another, are still harvested by hand. Things like saffron are hand done because they're too finicky for the machines like to get saffron out. The reason it's so expensive is not that the plant is particularly rare, it's that you have to like go into the flower and like pull extract out the uh, the the pollen you know the the I don't know what you call it, the pollen bits of the flower um, and that all has to be done by hand. But they're kind of the other subset of things that are harvested by hand are done by hand for the simple reason that they're just in freaking trees. <laughs> and it's pretty and even with all our machines, it's pretty hard to get shit out of trees, which is where cats come in. When not domesticated, if they're not living in a house, cats are actually what they call arboreal animals, meaning they spend most of their time up in trees. And you may be shouting, yes, but Marcus, cats get stuck in trees. That's the whole thing. They cat, then the fire department has to come and save them. And yeah, sometimes they do, but it's actually mostly like young cats or ones, um, there's like young cats that don't really know any better or are too scared to come down or cats that have been declawed um, and they don't have the... Uh, the grip that they have. So the cat is actually designed with its claws and it's, you know, good jumping and its agility and all that to be very comfortable in a tree. And a wild cat would be much better at getting up and down them. So really like what you want to do, I think if you have cats are the perfect one, just kind of go in mass to, a, to like a, a field of trees and just kind of hop up there, you know, go in and just like start, they, they have built in, you know, knives. They have their claws. They can just start cutting down fruits and having it land in you know maybe give them little carrying baskets that would be cute you can try them you can make them do you can make them do it however you want what's your fruit of choice oh uh it's um actually palm oils um so the palm fruits would be would be the, i think the good one because it's not like a billion billion of them on the tree and they're a, one of the big products that gets harvested by hand um and also it's a double bonus because in the places where they harvest the palm oil, they're still using, you know, child labor a lot of the times to do it. So it wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind replacing some child labor with cat labor. That feels like a positive change for the world. <laughs> yeah. K- kitty labor is better than kitty labor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also follow up question, Marcus, where does a cat carry a carrying basket? Um, so you could have them have it like, it could be like over the back. So it has like side saddles of baskets. Okay. They're flexible enough to throw it in there. I would imagine. Cattle bags, if you will. <laughs> Kittle bags. Kittle bags. Yeah, did it. Got I, there. I'm, we're like four layers deep on puns now. This is what we do. So that one's pretty good, but I do have one last cool job that cats could do that one cat is already doing. 
and that is healthcare workers. So there is a cat named Oscar. He's a therapy cat living in the Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Providence, Rhode Island, um, since 2005. Good news, he's actually still alive. And given that it's a nursing home and rehabilitation center, there are many patients there that have had, you know, terminal conditions, and it wasn't really uncommon for um, people to pass away in the facility. And so after the cat had been there a few months, um, they realized that Oscar, who was, who was normally shy, would nap next to patients who were about to die. So basically a few hours before they died, Oscar would go and like, you know, unprompted, like just kind of nestle up next to them. And they would then, you know, so soon enough they would pass away. And so it was like, haha, until, you know, Oscar did this 25 times correctly. And now at this point, the doctors would actually use Oscar lying next to you as a sign to call the patient's family members to come say their goodbyes. That's pretty... I mean, that's, I guess, a combination of nice and morbid. Are we sure Oscar wasn't killing these people? Yeah, exactly. So my first thought is, the weird thought is, you know, correlation causation, where it's like, okay, Oscar goes to nestle next up to these patients, and two hours later they're dead. Yeah. (laughs) What happens in those two hours? Right. Secondly, can you imagine getting a call like, hey... You might want to come down to say your goodbyes to your family member, to your, you know, your great grandpa. It's like, oh no, is he having a hard time? It's like, well, no, but Oscar is, um, you know, is by his bedside right now, which is usually, you know, not a good sign. And like, oh, who's Oscar? It's like, oh, he's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been, he's, and he, usually when he does love to someone, they die soon after. Hi, I'm a licensed doctor, but if you could get down here. We're using the cat as our uh, diagnosis, diagnostic tool. The manifestation of death himself. Exactly. So, so they've done a bunch of like news stories and a little bit of research into it, um, but they don't know exactly how Oscar picked up on this. Some people think it's the smell of dying cells that the cat is sensitive enough to pick up on. Some people think it's like he can tell like a lack of motion in the room, you know, from otherwise lively people. For some reason, I don't remember, but I. I think in one of my older answers, I found out that bees do this too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't remember the details, but for some reason in my mind, I just picture bees doing this. Like to humans or to other bees? To humans. Well, I mean, bees can smell landmines. That's kind of similar. Oh, I think it was bees could could smell disease. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that was it. But, uh, yeah, no. So it's either like the smell... The, the, you know, he notices the change in behavior or, you know, there's also the chance that's just confirmation bias in action where, you know, he naps next to a whole bunch of people and, you know, when they happen to die, it's like, oh, he did it again. But as of 2015, he's, they started calling people after 25, but so far he's predicted over a hundred deaths this way. So if you want to have train your cats to be healthcare workers, this is already a useful trait, but you can go a step further now that you can actually train them because you can train them in like basic you know, diagnosis things. Like, for example, you know, with their awesome hearing, you know, you could have them listen for, you know, breathing difficulties or heartbeats or anything else you might have, a you know, that a doctor might use a stethoscope for or check in regularly. You could just have, train your cats to be able to pick up on that. And because of their enhanced senses, they'd be, they'd be a lot better at it. Have there been any false positives with Oscar? Um, not that I could find on my, the various Wikipedia pages and things he that I read. He makes sure that there aren't <laughs> but um, I'll say that, you know, of course, the people that take the time to write about Oscar are usually pretty biased in Oscar's favor. Right. It's hard to come on the, you know, it's hard to be the person who spends their time debunking the, you know, 
the nice therapy cat <laughs> on the internet. I mean, but for the workers that are working there, I mean, they'll be pretty awkward <laughs> if, if the person doesn't actually die. I mean, I, I have to imagine the person would be pretty happy about the situation. They'd probably let it go. <laughs> they'd be happy that they didn't die, but they'd be annoyed that they thought they are going to die from a cat. I mean, any day where I don't die and get to spend time with a cat is a pretty good day in my book. That's true, I guess. <laughs> like, that's my goal for most days, to be quite honest. <laughs> don't die, be close to cats. Yep, exactly. So it would be pretty cool to have a lot of cats over in a in hospital, except for the one tiny downside um, to your cat in your squad is that a lot of people are still allergic to them. So really, <laughs> just, they, they would have very specific use cases, I think. So... I guess the main point is you can have cats do some stuff. They are just kind of freaking useless except for doing the things that they want to do anyway, which is kind of a cool thing that we've that they evolved to be so specifically useful only to themselves. <laughs> and stepping on keyboards. They are good at that. They're not good at typing though. Not good at typing. Every time my cats typed a message on my on my laptop, it usually involves one letter many 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 times over. <laughs> so Chris, what did you what did you what did you how would you train your cats? Yeah, so when I saw this question, I didn't. I decided not to look at house cats because Marcus was already doing that. I decided to look at big cats, as in like Tiger King territory cats, like tigers, like tigers. <laughs> 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 yeah. So first, I, I need to see like actually what the term big cat actually means. And a big cat refers to the five members of the Panthera genus. Um, so that includes lions, tigers, jaguars, leopards, and snow leopards. And then a more liberal liberal use of the term includes other cats like cougars and cheetahs, um, the lynx. And I was actually surprised that the panther wasn't included because it's called the panthera genus. So I was like, why isn't the panther in there? And it turns out that the panther isn't actually a, a species. And I was looking into it. And the first thing I found was that the panther is um, actually a mythical creature. <laughs> from medieval times (laughs) wait panthers have to exist are panthers real i spent a good amount of time looking into this um so the the mythical creature the panther is sometimes depicted as a donkey (laughs) sometimes depicted as a composite creature so sometimes like a horned head long neck and a horse body it usually is depicted as a cat though as just sometimes a donkey sometimes a cat (laughs) And the thing about the panther is that when it roars, it releases a sweet smell that lures in animals, and then it eats those animals. Uh, that's like kind of the <laughs> what thing kind that of it does. sweet ass smell do you have <laughs> that counters your roar? Yeah, I don't know. But apparently, the dragon is the only creature that's immune to its smell. <laughs> so that's the lore of the panther. Oh, I'm sorry. You're still talking about the the the, the, the mythical folklore of the panther. Yes. <laughs> I thought you switched back to regular, ca- like, real animals. I'm like, wait, no, really? this is still a mythical territory. But there is, so the panther does actually exist in real life. Um, after some searching around, I mean, I, I did just type in panther into Google, and the mythical creature was the first thing that came up. Um, I had to do some digging to find the, the actual thing. <laughs> so the black, it's actually, I guess they call them black panthers instead of just panther. But the black panther is still also not a species of, of animal. A black panther actually just refers to any an, any member of the panther genus that has an excess amount of black pigment. So it's literally any panther that happens to be black. Well, a panther. So that'd be like a black leopard or a black jaguar. I see. I see. Yeah, is a panther. So like, if you say panther, 
you don't actually know what what species you're talking about and unless you like specify no it's a leopard or it's a jaguar and the leopards and the jaguars are the more common ones so leopards in asia and africa and the jaguars in the americas but since it says that it includes all the species in the panther genus i wanted to see if that actually includes lions and tigers as well because that'd be pretty cool so i started with tigers and there are black tigers that they do exist they are very rare though and they also they they still their stripes so they they're black and they have black stripes it's just like a slightly different shade of black and they call them shadow marks because they're hard to see and there have been a handful of sightings in the past most of the early sightings it just turned out to be something else like and then it was actually a black leopard or it was actually a black bear <laughs> i don't know how you can mistake a panther I mean, a, a tiger for a bear, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, tigers are bigger than people expect, I guess. Like, they don't look like bears. Oh, uh, well, it's dark. <laughs> you're wearing sunglasses. Maybe you're blind. <laughs> you're wearing sunglasses at night. Yeah. There are more reliable sightings of black tigers more recently, though. Um, a lot of them happen in India. Uh, so in, in 1992, in South Delhi, they actually confiscated a black tiger pelt from... A hunter smuggler person and they displayed this black pelt in the national museum of natural history in new delhi and there have been other sightings as well they're more recent so they do exist they are very rare but they, they they're around you can find them so next i moved on to lions and lions black lions do not exist which is unfortunate oh, yeah really helpful because that that would be pretty cool <laughs> a black a black lion <laughs> There is a picture of a black lion on, online, but it's just a photoshopped picture. But it looks pretty cool. <laughs> it was actually on Snopes, and they're like, is this real? And they're like, no, it's photoshopped. So no black lions. But this whole like tangent into black variations of these animals got me more interested in the colors of these animals and the patterns that they have on them. And it inspired me to want to make art with these big cats. So... I'm going to make these like optical illusion type art pieces with these, the big cats. I was tempted to use the more liberal use of the term and include like cheetahs and lynxes and stuff, but I decided to just stick with the, the original five big cats. Because you're no cheetah. Uh, <laughs> Gotta get I'm one just, in. Just in bring all, all the puns in today. This is my, yeah. uh, this is my dream. You pulled that out pretty quickly. I've been thinking about it for quite some time, actually. <laughs> I feel like Ben needs to just like Ben is just like here only so his brain can fire synapses to make puns, and he's not actually listening to anything we say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, yeah, that's absolutely correct and true. He doesn't deny it. I do not deny it. So I started with the. T I just like went through all five and to like look at their patterns. Um, so I started with the tiger. Obviously, you probably already know that tigers have stripes on them. And these stripes are actually unique to each individual tiger. So it's like a fingerprint for us. It's it's different for every person. Their stripes are different for every tiger. And they're, they're meant to help the tiger blend into the grass while they're hunting prey. Now, there are orangish, brownish hues of tiger, and then there are also white tigers. So it's just like two different types of tigers that we have in our, in our tool set to make art. Now, leopards. Leopards have spots on them. But unlike the cheetah spots, they're not they're not really actual spots. So they're what they call rosettes. So they're like a, a circle outline and then the inside is hollow with like a darker shade of their normal color. And they call it a rosette because it looks like a rose. And 
also again this pattern is is unique to each individual leopard and is meant to simulate the shifting shadows in a forest when they're hunting very similar to tiger but different pattern snow leopards same thing as a leopard just white fur instead of uh like the orangish yellowish hue that they have that normally leopards have jaguars also have rosettes but they're they're slightly different so they're a little bigger and they're more spread out but then unlike the leopard rosettes they have like a spot in the center or like a couple of spots so it's not just a completely hollow rosette they have like a dot so that's how you can tell the difference between a jaguar and a leopard now again these are all pretty similar to each other but they're just like different tools that we can use uh, so that those are four of the five. And the last one is the lion. So lions, lion cubs do have dark spots when they're young, but then when they grow up, those spots fade. And they they fade so much that you can barely even see them at all. And you might think that these adult lions are kind of useless for my art piece. But the thing is that lions have a hair tuft at the end of their tail. And um, they're actually the only cat that has this hair tuft on their tail. And it makes for the perfect paintbrush. So the fact that they don't have any patterns means that they're like the perfect blank canvas for their tail paintbrush. I'm just going to let the lions paint whatever pattern they want on themselves. And they're basically like the most versatile of the big five cats. Could a lion's tail reach all its bits? I mean, probably not, but I get more than one lion. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Oh, actually, their, tail, their tails are quite long. I take it back. Really? I'm going to look up a lion. Did you not look <laughs> Your whole thing is about how the animals look. Do you not know what a lion looks like? Well, I assumed that it was too short to actually cover its whole body. I didn't actually confirm it. It probably can cover the whole body. I guess they can twist around and stuff. It's probably... I can get a lot of it. Yeah, it can reach more than half of its body, I think. So, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> so, those are big five cats. I, have it, I envision my art piece to be more of like a, a show type of thing. So, like kind of like a marching band style thing so like in a stadium i'll have them like march in formations to like create cool patterns and stuff and if i'm in a large stadium they might not be able to hear my commands but one of the key characteristics of big cats specifically uh excluding the snow leopard for some reason the leopard can but not the snow leopard is that they can roar so lions tigers leopards and jaguars are the only cats that can roar and the, their ability to roar is dependent on their elongated larynx. Um, so snow leopards, I guess, can't roar because their larynx isn't long enough. And then lions have the the longest larynx, which means that they have the loudest roar. And they can actually be heard up to five miles away with their roar. Jesus. So my plan for commanding this whole troop of big cats is to have a lion next to me i'll just tell my commands to this lion the lion will roar out the commands to the other big cats and then we have we basically have the perfect halftime show i can uh i can track down my snake confetti guy and we'll have a a party <laughs> the statement my snake i don't know why you keep pulling guy. back to the, the snake <laughs> confetti answer that you did like 85 years ago and it was not good it was it was amazing and it'll be more amazing with this big cat art show i will say it did render me speechless <laughs> that's not true i'm pretty sure i was actually quite quite vocal yeah, with the fact that i thought vocally it was against it yeah <laughs> i don't remember what episode that was but in a previous episode i made snake confetti you can find it somewhere he thought it was a good idea. 
are the are the are the cats gonna work together to create images it's not gonna be realistic art it's gonna be like more abstract or like optical illusion type of things like a magic eye yeah get really close to this line and then <laughs> slowly back away to see the <laughs> illusion be a 3d castle <laughs> look it pops out out at you it's teeth <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean that's that's really what my plan is i'll make an art show in a stadium Ben, what do you do? So, if you've been paying attention to this point, which I really hope you have been, otherwise, what are we doing nope. here? <laughs> just that, that would make you know, <laughs> two of me, me and Chris have been paying attention, Ben. You've just been in pun land. <laughs> I, I really have. It's been great. But, you know, Mar- Marcus has talked about, about house cats, and Chris has talked about big cats, um, which may lead you to question, well, what kind of, what kind of cats are left? What can Ben talk about? What I'm going to talk about is parasites, specifically I'm going to talk about a particular parasite, Toxoplasma gondii, which I had not practiced saying before this. I think it went pretty well, personally. Toxoplasma gondii is a single-celled parasite that can affect pretty much any warm-blooded animal, actually. But, interestingly enough, the only way it can actually reproduce is in the intestines of cats. So, for the most part, the way that it's, it's, you know, transferred to a host, aside from, from a cat, is is either from like coming into contact with cat poop or you know eating food that was prepared improperly that had also come into contact with either cat poop or soil that was like you know around cat poop i need to back up really quickly on this whole like reproduction thing this is one of the most like just bonkers things i ever found out like evolutionarily how does it get in there in the first place so so i mean well well, actually we're gonna get to that fact because there's some cool stuff there too but it's like, apparently there's some enzyme that cats don't have in their stomach that lets it like survive going through the stomach and then it can like make cysts in their intestines that just eventually rupture and spread out more parasites through their feces. I will say before you get worried, cats can get infected by it, but they're much less sensitive to it than most of the like, what they call the intermediate hosts that just you know, sort of carry the actual parasite. And you ask how it gets into the cats to begin with. I guess we don't know the actual like, like, a, you know, chicken or egg question, but the way it gets there ongoing is that you see this parasite can control your brain. Uh, <laughs> so specifically, the most, the most like, like uh, probably terrifying example of this is in rodents. So rodents, for good reason, have a natural fear of cats because cats are, you know, sort of they're like they're one of their biggest predators in the wild, right? So that makes sense. Um, and part of that is that when they smell, say, cat urine, they go away from it because there's probably a cat nearby. Rodents that have been infected with Toxoplasma gondii stop having that aversion to the scent of cat urine. They just don't care anymore about cat urine. Additionally, there have been studies that they have found that when they're infected by it, they start having um, issues with their spatial working memory and their recognition memory. Um, and all what this all adds up to is that basically what this parasite does to rodents is make it easier for cats to eat them so that it can get into the cats and reproduce. Oh my god. What what is what is evolution? Like do they I just know. get bored sometimes and it's like, "Hey guys, here's here's my restrictions. You have to be a parasite that only can survive in the intestines and only can be transferred from poop." Good luck. It's 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 insane. It's so ridiculous to me that this this like happens, right? That's just the absolute most, you know. I feel like I frequently say this might be the most buck wild thing I've learned on this podcast. 
this might be the most buckwild thing I've learned on this podcast <laughs> is this parasite. And so, you know, obviously I mentioned before that, you know, humans can get it and just in general, most animals can get it. So the f- sort of first thought is if I can train cats, could I make it very easy for say, you know, all people to get it? And if I could, what could we do with that? Which the unfortunate answer to that question is, yeah, about that. The estimates for the number of, or like the population of people who already have a chronic infection of uh, Toxoplasma gondii is somewhere between 30 and 50 percent. What? No, what? <laughs> uh, Marcus, you probably do already. <laughs> you have a cat. Wait. <laughs> uh, it's higher in some places. Uh, as of 2000, there was a study in France that estimated that 84 percent of people in France had it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, I don't know how to parse that. <laughs> um, so it turns out that that in humans, most of the time it doesn't actually do much. It's generally asymptomatic. You care about cat pee less, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Marcus, would you say that you, in the time you have owned your cat, have have cared less about when it pees on things? Well, I haven't noticed if my cat is pissed in things. I think it uses a litter box, but maybe he pisses maybe, everywhere. I just don't just know. Don't notice. <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. <laughs> but no, generally it is actually asymptomatic. There are there are risks in people with who already have like compromised immune systems. It can be it can cause like seizures and poor coordination. Apparently, uh, for the most part, people don't have any symptoms. If they do, like the first two or three weeks after exposure, they'll have like mild flu-like symptoms, and that's kind of it. There is not scientific consensus, but there may be a link to heightened risk for like schizophrenia, but there's been all sorts of like scientific back and forth on that one. Um, and nothing... Is it just based on crazy cat ladies? <laughs> so that's like, that's literally what people thought, right? Was that like when people started researching this, that... Yeah, I remember in, like a news article about it. Yeah, I, I think there, there was a researcher in, I believe, the Czech Republic. Um, who back in 2012 was saying that like he was like like at the forefront of researching this this thing and he was thinking it was going to be like like lead to overall more deaths than like malaria or something it was a ridiculous statement i feel like it has aged pretty poorly but there really hasn't been any like actual link to any sort of real bad um situation with people and this kind of actually when you think about it this makes sense right um this is a parasite it's trying to live in you. It doesn't want to do something to you that's going to kill you or something because then it dies too. It needs you to survive. And on that note, there is actually something incredibly cool that it does do, as far as they can tell, in people. Oh, the cool the cool thing my brain parasite is doing for me? Yeah. That I definitely have because I can't imagine I'm in the lucky 50%. <laughs> so usually the way that your body reacts to a parasite is it gets your immune system to kill it that's you know sort of good news what it does your immune system that's its 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 job and so generally what parasites will do is do something to block that response right um because they don't want to die but what toxoplasma does is it doesn't block those systems it kind of takes over them it has its own protein that it uh it uses to regulate the human inflammatory response to avoid getting killed by it and what's fascinating is that it's actually more effective than the proteins your body uses to do this so there's actually research being done right now 
that is trying to to learn how to use this protein to make like anti-inflammatory drugs because it's better than what the human body already produces. Is this the long haul plan for this toxivirus that it's going to trick us into mass producing it? <laughs> I, I guess. Well, no, I mean, like it, it, it makes sense, though, right? Like it doesn't want you to kill it, obviously, but it also doesn't want you to get sick and die. So it's just kind of like, let me just let me just put my hand on the wheel, steer you a little bit. You'll be fine. And that's where I was hoping when I found this, I got really excited because I was hoping I was like, oh, this is so cool. I can control the human immune system. <laughs> but small problem. I can only train cats. I can't train the parasite. So the sort of long story short on all of this is that this parasite is really, really cool. And technically, I could probably help have the cats poop more strategically and get it in more people. But it's not actually going to do that much. This this plan, I, I think I'm, I'm going to start a conspiracy theory right here, Ben. Because let's let's get the aliens involved. So aliens came down, everyone knows, to Egypt to build the pyramids. Of course. When they did that, they're like, wow, these humans and these cats are basically competing for dominant species right now. And these cat these humans love these cats. So we're going to go after the cats because if we go after the cats, then we get them no matter what. So they created this virus. It's I'm going to pretend it's a, a nanobot. And the goal is to spread it to everybody. And they were they they the dog saved us because not everybody's a cat person because some people are dog people. Mm, yeah. And so only they only got up to 50% infection. Would you say that 50 to 70% of people are dog people? <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so seven, 50 to 70% of people are dog people, which are, which are the people not infected by the cat virus. It's a cat parasite, but continue. So the cat viruses had to evolve to help our immune system so that everybody gets infected by it. And that's the long plan. And once everybody is infected, the nanobots will trigger and everyone will suddenly become docile while the aliens take over and we're all dead and enslaved or worse. And that is your... Uh, forecast for late 2020 everybody did you just say dead and enslaved because that seems or, or worse. worse or worse <laughs> i guess that's my answer apparently <laughs> well and here we thought 2020 was done with us oh boy that, i'm gonna sound real smart if that happens yeah, i mean you're gonna sound real dead and enslaved if that happens apparently or worse, or worse. What's, what's, what's worse than dead and enslaved um us ending this this segment and going on to the next segment. That's what's worse. Hey. Except it's also good. Oh no, because... it's coming true. <laughs> <laughs> the prophecy has started. Ben. Mm. Would you rather have to grow, hunt, and kill your own food, or eat only Taco Bell for a year? Oh no. So both of them are only for a year. Yep. Actually, well, hold on. So here's the problem. Here's the problem is that I feel like one of these is obviously the one that I'm going to choose. And one of these is obviously the one that Chris is going to choose. Yeah. And then Marcus, Marcus is a wild card. <laughs> well, then let me, hear, let me hear side A and side B of the record and I'll see which one I like. All right. Clearly, I am going to grow, hunt, and kill my own food. I'm, I'm already like making my own, let's see, uh, bread pickles sauce i cook all of my own food pretty much at this point so what does grow does that mean you have to grow like wheat and stuff yes god i would if i could <laughs> that's the thing though is i i want to do all of this shit <laughs> ben's like 
I guess I'm so hunt, close. Like I'm ant. I'm not like big on in hunting, but I also like if if I if I could d- d- hmm. So here is here is a problem: is that it's gonna take a lot of time to do this, isn't it? It's gonna take yeah. a lot of time and money. You're gonna need a lot of land. I don't think you actually need that much land. I think you do. <laughs> the thing is, you could you could also just go vegetarian, and it's a lot easier to just grow enough food for yourself. Yeah, I think if particularly if you went like vegetarian, it wouldn't be that bad. You have some chickens to get eggs, I guess. Like you can do what we talk about all the time. Those like those um like those farming containers that you can like grow food for like right yeah exactly hundreds of people in one shipping container. I really don't want to eat Taco Bell for a year. I feel like I feel like I feel, but I feel like you've come a long way because I feel like freshman year of college Ben may have gone the other Man, way. Man, I barely want to eat Taco Bell for a meal. <laughs> it's not ideal, and they do use just like the same ingredients for everything on their menu. Well, I mean that's just that's. I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go bold and say that's just Mexican food in general. <laughs> <laughs> they did just recently cut a bunch of items on their menu. That is true. And I think they're adding some new things. I don't I don't actually know. Yeah, I haven't actually eaten there that often cuz I if I had a choice I'd choose other places, like if we're talking about fast food places. But I mean, I think just the amount of time and work that you save. And it's only for a year, so it's not that long. You You'd save a lot of money and time. I feel like you're gonna do like irreparable da- irreparable damage to your digestive system. Um, I mean, how long was um supersize me? How long did you do that for? Was that a year? Was it a month? I was. Yeah, it, I don't, it might be I don't think it was a full year. I'm checking. And I guess that did kind of mess him up a lot. That was thirty days. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. He gained twenty four pounds. So maybe it's not that good i mean i didn't expect it to be good but all right so here's a question if you're committing to growing all of your own food could you get someone to sponsor you basically that's tough i wouldn't sponsor someone who's just like i just want to you know live off the land for a bit it's not that interesting like could you get a book deal or something you could get taco bell to sponsor you if you're only eating taco bell (laughs) you're saying it's actually easier to get a sponsor if you do Taco Bell for a year than if you grow and hunt your own food for a year. Yeah, that's more interesting. God, it probably is. What the fuck You're is wrong with this world? Taco Bell's um, spokesperson. Oh, no. I hate I hate this existence. <laughs> yeah, the financials of it are complicated. I really don't want to eat Taco Bell for a year. What does Taco Bell have for breakfast? So they have breakfast burritos, which are just like normal stuff and burritos and stuff. The breakfast is the part I'm the least concerned about, honestly. Let's go look at the Taco Bell menu for a second. Yeah, I'm on the menu right now. What's the power menu? Oh, they have a bowl, apparently. God, uh, I don't... I really don't want to Oh, no, do this. this might be someone's real-life problem. I, I, I've just found a Reddit thread. Eating nothing but Taco Bell for five months. Any advice? I'm going to be living in New York City for five months, and I cannot afford regular food if I want to have enough to pay rent. For money, I purchase gift cards in bulk and sell them on sites like eBay and Craigslist. Unfortunately, not the most profitable business because eBay has gift card sales limits. I pay $10 for every $100 Taco Bell gift card. They are really hard for me to sell, but an insane deal for personal use. Clearly, I have found a way to feed myself NYC. My whole life, I've only eaten Taco Bell a handful of times. I'm not exactly sure what to expect. Any recommendations or inspiring words before I take this on? What should I be ordering on a daily basis? Side note, bringing someone to a first day at Taco Bell. Yeah, you're nay. Oh my god. Is there a follow-up thread? Um, basically all the comments are, how do I buy $100 gift cards for $10? Yeah, that was kind of my follow-up question too, honestly. 
I mean, honestly, both of these are pretty awful. These are really bad. So so user uh, Bo Dizzled uh, <laughs> says, So back in 2000, I used to eat Taco Bell about five times a week for quite a few months. The grilled stuffed burrito had just come out and I was in love. I knew I had a problem when I ordered a Mexican pizza at the drive-thru and the lady asked me why I wasn't getting my usual. I got a really bad stomach flu and ended up on the floor of the bathroom in the fetal position. My sister drove me to the hospital and turns out I had a blockage in my lower intestines and my digestive system was shutting down. The most painful experience of my life. So if you do it five times a week for quite a few months, that's what happens to you. So a year would probably be very bad. Yeah. Would Do you think you'd be able to recover from it after a year? Yes. Quick side note. So Taco Bell apparently sells an item called a cheesy roll-up which is a tortilla with cheese in it that's been rolled up. <laughs> Thanks for the newsflash, Ben. I mean, that's basically what a quesadilla is. Incredibly, if you want, you got the option of having them hold the cheese. Wait, 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 wait. There might be a loophole. Can you, does a Pizza Hut slash Taco Bell combo count as a Taco Bell? It does not. I think you can only order the Taco Bell items there. Damn. Not that I think it would save your cholesterol or anything but at least variety it honestly might be worse for you (laughs) so if you were to grow all your food what items would you choose because obviously you can't like have everything that you'd want i mean um potatoes i mean i think onions yeah you kind of just have to go like bulk basics i think so that you have regular stuff so you're gonna eat like a bunch of salads and so i think you have like salad meals where you just have like some nice fresh stuff like tomato like you know tomatoes and things in a salad and then like hearty stuff like you know potatoes and onions and stuff you could probably like put into like a soup or a broth or just have like you know snacks with would you even attempt meat at all well so here's an important question on that point could you buy a chicken or multiple chickens it says you have to grow or hunt which implies that you can't buy the chicken so i guess but i guess that's so most of my question is like with the food you're growing, can you ha- do you have to like forage to start it? Because that changes things a lot. Or can you buy things to start? Hmm. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that is that would be tricky. I want to say yes, just because I think it makes the, the if it's if you can just start off however you want, it's too easy to just say the hunt and kill you know the the hunt and kill one. Mm-hmm. Because obviously your diet is going to be a lot better, more variety and healthier if you do that. And it's just going to take a bit more time, which I think we would. Pretty much all generally agree is the way to go. Yeah. Um, but if you have to start off and there's a chance of failure at the start, that kind of changes the math a bit because you're really going to have to go to a, you know, a bountiful land to 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 live yeah. off. Yeah. Like, where would you start out to forage for this stuff? That's gonna be really tough. I don't know. <laughs> that may be forcing me in a Taco Bell, and I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically are you confident enough in your survival skills to give up the taco bell i am not <laughs> god i'm probably not either i hate this <laughs> here's the thing you do still have the google you do how does how does that help you though so what you can do is you can like google survival skills and things and watch some youtube vids on how to hunt and forge effectively and where to do it and you might be able to do that (laughs) better like if you threw me in the woods right now i would die but if it was like but chances are this area is going to be not close to where you live right that's kind of the problem right is that but it's not going to be like like i got you got you got time 
you can get water, no problem. That that is true. <laughs> it's a good start. Water's important. And you got what a week, two weeks before you starve to death? Yeah, something like that. Not gonna be happy about it. No, it's not gonna be comfortable. But if you can get past that initial f- couple of weeks, they're gonna be better than you know, <laughs> you know, the month six in Taco Bell where your intestines shut down. Can we, can we discuss the crunch wrap for a second? I'm looking at a crunch wrap and I'm just very confused by it. Why? It's it's basically like what what is the crunch wrap? <laughs> it's like a it is it it's like it is a it's like a taco wrapped in a quesadilla with a salad on top. That's like actually the only thing I've had at Taco Bell. So here's here's where the crunch this is the magic of the crunch wrap then is that it is the convenience of a burrito in that you can just grab it and eat it. But you still get that satisfying crunch in the middle because they have the taco shell circle. And I think there. it's actually easier to eat than a burrito because you don't get that awkward end piece at the bottom of it that just like falls apart in your hands. That's the exactly. best part. That's the best part of the burrito. <laughs> but I see what you mean. God, I haven't had a burrito in a long time. Uh, um, I had a billion taquitos over the weekend. It was great. I actually had tacos for dinner, but I just haven't had a burrito. It was uh we had a, we we went we went on a trip with friends and it was like there's like six of us and we went to make tequilas for lunch we're like well how many are people gonna eat I don't know so we made forty <laughs> nice so if you do if you want to like try to be sort of kind of healthy at Taco Bell you can still just order like vegetable stuff they have a whole vegetarian side of I things. mean they do but like let's put it this way the sixth option on the vegetarian list is the cheesy roll up. <laughs> Yeah, but like you can still get the this power menu bowl veggie thing. That is a single option. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you're if you're eating if you're growing all your food, you're probably only going to be eating the same thing over and over again anyway. So uh, that's no, you're gonna you can have some variety there. I think if I think if um, you can like get started, you'll have a lot more variety. Uh, it's gonna be tough though. I don't know about that. Um, actually, here's a problem. It's gonna be very hard to get like say cooking oil of any kind like olive oil or butter or anything to like saute things in yeah that's a problem anything that's like involves any sort of processing at all is difficult mm-hmm. i would i would allow ex- like cooking accessories just because we're this far along in the conversation well, oil does oil count as an accessory i think oil counts as food oil probably counts as food you can make butter pretty easy right I mean, uh, you have to churn it. If you can get, right? if you can get buttermilk, <laughs> you need a, like a cow, right? Yeah, or a goat. You can make goat's butter. You need some sort of animal. And this one's gonna goes back to like the buying a chicken question. Let's gonna go steal a goat. If you if you steal if you steal a cow or a chicken, does that count as hunting? <laughs> I mean, it's foraging, I guess. Yeah, it counts as foraging. So you can go steal if you if you can get yourself to commit a crime and steal someone's cow or chicken. Boom, you've done it. So Ben, would you steal a cow or a chicken to go the not Taco Bell route? All all I heard when you said that was the um you know the the old anti piracy you wouldn't steal a car ads. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a cow. <laughs> my 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 twelve year old self, whatever he saw the commercial, was like, if I could torrent a car, I fucking would. Right, I know. Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't steal. So I think I think I, I think if we don't have any way to like do setup, I'm probably gonna have to take Taco Bell, and I hate this fact because I just want to grow stuff. So if someone gave you like a starter kit, then you'd you'd pick that way. Yeah, if I could like Taco if Bell. I could like get you know seeds and and whatnot to to start my 
my little farm and like buy you know like three hens and a rooster hell yeah what would you do in the winter you store stuff i guess yeah you're like a root seller okay you were you can can stuff you can dry stuff there's ways to preserve food we figured this out already yeah we've we've not always had supermarkets we've not always had taco bells so (laughs) so you can survive it's gonna be tough i i think i'm leaning like of all the bad things like just maybe because i was just reading that thread a little bit too long on reddit just of of the people's reactions to eating too much taco bell uh what happened to their bodies i think i'd rather just like front load my discomforts with you know survival concerns as opposed to just knowing i'm like making myself a ticking time bomb of misery but you're confident that you can actually do it not like not 100 percent confident but again i think confident enough to risk death yeah i think so okay i'm confident enough i'm confident enough that i I could learn that skill if i really needed it okay i've been looking at the taco bell menu for a while i could not eat this for a year all right, Chris, what's, where are you landing? So I'm sort of in the same uh, the same camp as Ben. If I had a starter kit, I think I would go with the foraging and hunting thing. But if we don't, then I, I, I think I'm going with Taco Bell. That's fair. I think that's probably where I land, too. Yep. And six months later, one, at least one of us would be feeling pretty smug about their decision. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll, that'll do it for this one, guys. Listener, our good hypothetical, if you enjoyed what you heard here today... Feel free to support us by going on to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals, uh, and clicking on that Become a Patron button. There's just one tier for $1. $1 a month, it's like basically nothing. It's like one hundredth of your Taco Bell budget for the month to get through. So hit there, click that, you get access to our behind-the-scenes episodes that we do every month, so you just get more content and more ways to listen to us talk about random crap which is awesome but if you don't want to do that or if you have already done that or however you are doing you are more than welcome to join us on monday where we talk about all the random crap in our next lightning round sounded more like an ocean splash yeah it wasn't great my best one can i try again (laughs) sure all right, we'll, we'll do it one more, one more time, guys. One more time. In our next week with our lightning round. Ksh.